Well, our thanks as always to Home Street Bank for their support of this podcast. If if you're looking for a bank that has it all, great people, great service, great rates, this is the place for you. This is my letter of choice. It should be yours as well. Go to homestreetbank.com. It's your one-stop shop for all your banking needs, both business and personal. That's homestreetbank.com. So let me ask you, how do you keep it relational in a digital world? Today's special guest has figured that out. Stay tuned. Welcome to The Buyer's Mind, where we take a closer look deep inside your customer's decision-making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation. Now, please welcome your host, Jeff Shore. Welcome, everyone, once again to another episode of The Buyer's Mind. I am your host, Jeff Shore, where we investigate just the way that our customers think, the way that our customers want to buy. We figure out how they want to buy. We can reverse engineer our sales presentation, make it easy for them to do just that. And today, we've got a very, very special guest. I'm not going to take a lot of time because this is just such a great interview with uh, the legendary Ted Rubin, but joined as always by our show producer, Paul Murphy. Uh, Murph, uh, people who live in the tech space, as Ted Rubin does, uh, are sometimes accused of being light on the relationship skills, yes? You would think, right? Uh, you'd think that uh, that's what you're into is marketing. It's not so much about people as much as it is about your product. And yet, when you when we listen to Ted Rubin in this interview, it's very, very clear that I don't think he sees himself as living in the technical space. I think he sees himself as living in the relational space. And I think that that's such an important distinction. You know, we, we have uh, here at The Buyer's Mind, we have uh, salespeople who sell all kinds of different products, right? Computers and homes and cars and uh, software solutions, it's just all kinds of things. And I just want to encourage you, as you listen to uh, Ted Rubin here on our podcast today, to stop thinking that I live in the real estate world, or I live in the computer world, or I live in the software world, or the jewel. No, no, no. We live in the relationship world. We live in the world of relationships. And that's what has to happen first. That connection is so critical to everything that's going to take place that it re- literally requires a mindset shift for us. So let's get into this right away then with no further ado to the interview, thinking first about relationships and let everything else follow. Or Well, listen, I, I, every now and then we get a guest on who is just going to light things up. And I have a feeling that's going to be the case today as we bring on uh, Ted Rubin. He's a social media strategist and the CMO of uh, Photify. And I have to tell you, sometimes it's difficult when I'm prepping for our podcast interviews because the the bio, the resume is so long. What do you talk about? But I think right here we can look at it and say he's the author of a book called Return on Relationship, several other books. But Return on Relationship is one of those books that became more than a book. Uh, it was. Uh, it became a hashtag. It really became more of a movement. Um, he's also the author of The Age of Influence, Selling to the Digitally Connected uh, Customer. He is one of the most prolific speakers and thinkers out there in the idea of uh, social media influence and digital marketing. Uh, trust me, if you live in the digital marketing world, you absolutely know who Ted Rubin is, one of the most prominent players in the world today. Welcome to the podcast, Ted Rubin. How are you doing, sir? 
Well, Jeff, thank you for that introduction. I might have you come to all the events that I do. Yeah, fair and, enough. And, and introduce me in advance. You want to do some traveling? Let's do it. Let's do it. We can drive to uh, Atlanta in the middle of the night. Oh, uh, hey, that's, uh, that's a side conversation, isn't it? Hey, take us back to the beginning. You come out of Cornell and you say, all right, I'm going to change the world. And thus you did. You got your first digital marketing job back in the day and you were on the cutting edge from, from the very beginning. Uh, am I right? Was it that easy? Oh, sure. It's always that easy. I, I have to tell you, I have probably reinvented myself more times, you know, and uh, look, I was one of those guys that came out of college and it was all about making money. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, my, my, my dad was a hard worker. He taught me amazing things. He taught me a lot about sales. Um, but you know, he never made it as we say, quote unquote, you know, in the big time, you know, he, he did great. He came out of world war two and he supported a family and his dad died young. And I, I, I had utmost respect for him, but like, I wanted more. And he, what did that make me do? It made me jump into the, into the, um, finance space, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. where I started my career out of college. Right. I, you know, I was coming out of an Ivy League school. You, you know, you, you get access to a lot of these interviews. I, you know, I, I couldn't find exactly what I wanted, but I found something where I could be on the phone, learning about finance, selling people, and that was really the first part of my of my life was in sales. Um, it burnt it burnt me out young. You know, kind of like uh, I made a lot of money. I lost a lot of money. Um, around 30 years old, I started training sales teams. And that's what led me into the digital space because I was I had moved to Florida for a little while. I was totally bored with what I was doing down there. And in 1997, I discovered this thing called the Internet, mm -hmm. the, the World Wide Web. And literally, I had my epiphany. I'm sure many people did. You know, I said, oh, my God, this is going to change things and I want to be a part of it. And I started staying up late nights. So I had, I had uh, two small children um, and I had, to, I had to pay the bills and I had a sales team that I had built for this importer and processor of seafood. Don't even go there. Um, but it, it was a means to an end. And I started reading articles and I read this article that's an interview with Seth Godin. And this was before Seth was Seth. This was before people really knew who Seth was. He'd written a couple of books with Jay Levinson, most of them were about, you know, how to better yourself and all these kind of things. And he was talking about this company he was building called Yoyodai, the first online direct marketing company. And I was like, oh my God, this guy is brilliant and on it. And I'm reading to the whole thing. And at the end of it, the interviewer says, so Mike, this sounds like a really cool company you're building. Do you have any job openings? And Seth says, well, we don't have any direct openings, but I will always hire a smart person because mm -hmm. that's the way I'm building my company. He said, and truth be told, I need people that can sell anything because this is something that no one's ever sold to. You can't find experienced people. And I immediately, I wrote him a letter. Yeah, remember that back when you wrote letters, like cover letters with resumes? <laughs> and, and I mailed it to him. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and basically what the letter said was, I'm smart and I can sell anything. Mm -hmm. And I want to come work with you. And of course, my, my wife at the time, who is my ex-wife, you know, was like, what kind of an idiot are you? Sending, applying for a job where there's no job. And I'm like, he said he hired me. So, I mean, he basically said, I'll hire Ted Rubin when he said what mm -hmm. he said. And yeah. a week later, I get a phone call. And I ended up getting hired by Seth. Mm -hmm. 
And we, we made a deal. We made it work for both of us. I, I, he couldn't pay me what I needed, but I needed more. So we worked at a deal. And, you know, I kind of talked him into the fact that I could sell anything. And I went up there and I started selling. And within a few months, I, I started running, I built a whole sales team there. We got acquired by Yahoo. And what it did for me is I was there at the beginning when, when, when e-commerce was just taking a catalog and putting it online, when, when online content and media was nothing more than a magazine printed online. And I made a really critical mistake, um, and I'm going to advise your audience, anybody who's listening, don't do this. I, I went up to New York. My family was still in Florida, so I moved in with my in-laws. Don't ever <laughs> move in with your in-laws, especially if they're like the Costanzas. All they right. did was yell at each other, and I had to yeah. get the hell out of the house. And right. there, was, there was a reason for that. I got in the office every morning at 6.30 a.m., and who was sitting there every morning? Seth. And Seth was an early riser, and I was the only one in this cabinet's office with him. And I was sitting there when he wrote the original article, Permission Marketing, that was in Fast Company Magazine that became his first marketing bestseller. And and Seth liked to hold forth. And unlike right now, like I am with you, I knew enough to shut up and listen. Did, but you guys must have just geeked out on this stuff. I mean, you were on the front edge. You were, you saw what was coming. It, it, if I could have been a fly on the wall, I have a feeling that would have been some fascinating, fascinating conversation. You know, it, it, it might have been. I think it was really one-sided. Seth was just, you know, I was sitting there in awe. And like I said, I was smart enough to kind of shut up. You mm-hmm. know, I would jump in with some things. But it's really where return on relationship started. Because Seth is sitting there talking about about permission marketing. And permission is about relationships. It's about getting to know somebody. He says, yes, you can market to me. And he was talking about how ideas spread. You know, this is before he wrote Idea Virus. And... One of Seth's main things that he stressed, which was so in line, because I'm a relationship seller. Even when I was in the brokerage business, I was never the guy that made the most phone calls. I was the guy that got the bigger deals because I would work a guy and it might take me six months. And Seth would send us out to meet companies to try to explain this whole new way of thinking. And he actually didn't want us coming back with orders. He'd kind of give us a hard time if we came back with one, unless it was so spectacular, because he knew that we were selling something people didn't really know what they were buying. And if we spent time and built a relationship, we'd get a much bigger order and a much more committed partner. Why? And Why? Why? Connect the dots on that. Because this is, I mean, I don't want to go all the way ahead in your career to return on relationship, but you, clearly there were some dots that were that were at least being put in place, even if they didn't connect uh, more more completely later on. But if you're looking at a guy like, say, Jeff Shore, okay, now I, I try and keep up with what's going on in technology, but I'm not the tech guy, right? I, I'm, 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 I don't pretend to be a digital marketing guru, but I am a relationship guy. So how is it that relationship is the language that allows us to connect with somebody on something that is otherwise extremely technical and perhaps out of their league or over their head. Because in the end, Jeff, everything is a commodity. Everything. Yes, you might be the first, I mean, you, you might be the first search engine. You might be the first platform that allows you to connect to your consumers, but you're not going to be the last and there's going to be dozens after you. And in the end, everybody's selling the same shit. So what is really the differentiator? The differentiator is the relationship. Now, the relationship isn't just, hey, Jeff, you're my buddy. We've had years. Relationship is I take your calls. Relationship is you know you can count on me. The relationship is I give you valuable information to help educate you and help you sell through what I'm trying to sell to you. And and that's what relationships are all about. And I learned this. I mean, I learned this from an early age. My dad was a relationship guy. He taught me to be the neighbor that, that cleaned up the other people's garbage, that shoveled their 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 their, um, their walkways when it snowed, that stopped in the middle of the street when there was a garbage can in a neighborhood that we didn't even know, and made me get out of the car and move the, move the garbage pail. Mm-hmm. 
as soon as I was old enough to do it because do for others without expectation of anything directly in return. And in the end, that return will come because a brand is what a business or a person does, but a reputation is what people remember and share. And they say, you know, you can count on Jeff. Jeff will get the job done. Jeff will not make promises that he can't keep. To me, that's what builds it. And Seth really understood this, especially because he had been on the forefront of selling something that people didn't understand. And he recognized that most of the initial sales he made when it was just him was because of him. Mm-hmm. And because of what he represented the people. Look, when, when I graduated college, I went into sales. And my dad was a sales guy. And he calls me up my first week of work. And he says, so. And he knew I, my, part of my job was getting an appointment. And he said, did you get your first appointment? I said, yeah. He goes, when is it? I said, Friday. He goes, what time? I said, 10 o'clock. He goes, when are you going to get there? I said, I don't know, about 5 to 10. He goes, no. Get there at 9 o'clock. Walk around the neighborhood. Do some research. Know the restaurants. Know the bars. Know what's on the corner. Go in the building. See where the companies are in the building. Get into the office where you're going to meet and see if their assistant can help you get into his or her office and look at what's on the walls, what the diplomas are, what the photos are. If there are any awards, find points of emotional connection. Now, today, you don't have to get there an hour early, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but you go to LinkedIn, there's so many places, just Google the person's name, and there's no way if you do your homework that you're not going to find a topic, a thing, uh, uh, something that they're passionate about that you can talk about other than I'm here to sell you something. And that's your way of what I call looking people in the eye digital. Meaning, doing what we do face to face. When I sit with you, if I'm right, your mom taught you when you go on your first date, you know, Jeff, look at her. Don't look at the other girls walking in the door because then she's going to know that you're not paying attention on her. It, it's the same. It's trying to do that online where we get to know people's names and information about them because it's all there. If I go to one more damn meeting with a client and one of their sales guys looks at the person across the table and says, So, how long have you been here? Mm-hmm. That information is right. It's so readily available. Yeah. This is one of those areas where I, I think you and I are, are are just very much alike in the sense that the world is so full, the business world is so full of people who are willing to do the minimum that they need to do in order to get by. And what you're talking about right here is so critical, but it's not that hard. It just takes just even a minimal amount of effort to be able to stand out. I, I, it floors me that that so many people are just going to take what's handed to them. It, it, it doesn't take that long to do what you're talking about doing. Jeff, you know, you know how many times I come off stage or I come out of a presentation or I come out of a workshop and someone walks up to me and says, you know, what you're talking about is just common sense. And I go, I go, a hundred percent. So we, are you doing this? Well, I'm going to. Uh, did you do this? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I said, so let me explain something to you. Common sense, it's not that common. Yeah. Yeah. And people have to hear it and see it because here's what's happening. And I think this is very relevant to the conversation here. And some of the stuff I've seen you talk about, write about, is that all these digital tools make people believe that they have shortcuts, mm-hmm. that they can send out mass emails, that they can send and bombard people with social content. All that is is old school advertising that has no permission, no connection, no engagement. You know, I was, I was, I was at an event and I spoke at a Cox Media event and the, the FCP of fails looks at me and says, you know, we had a guy here that I had to pull off the damn stage. He's telling my salespeople that one-to-one doesn't work anymore. Hmm. And what I say when I'm on stage is that's utter nonsense. Because first of all, a lot of one-to-one happens now 
in places where other people can observe. It happens on social platforms, on LinkedIn, it happens on Facebook. And I say to companies and people, don't take people offline, don't tell them to message you privately, do it publicly. Because the vast majority of people are lurkers. They're participating vicariously through your engagement with someone else. And they are getting the message of who you are and what you do and what you're about. And I can't tell you how many times where I might not call someone back because I either forgot or it fell off my radar or I didn't respond to something on a social platform and my reputation as I always respond and someone will call me out and I don't even answer them. I wait just a minute and within a minute, a bunch of my followers are jumping and go, oh, he must have missed that. That must have been upside. Ted always gets back to people. I don't even have to do that defense anymore. People do it for me because they know what your brand is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'll love the story. I was in Charleston, walking down Market Street in Charleston, and I hear before I can mm-hmm. even get to the store, but I hear this lady yelling from inside of a store. And it's a candy store, Market Street Sweets. And here's this young lady named Thomasina, and uh, she's combining what she loves. She 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 loves to sell. Uh, she loves candy, and she loves to to rap a freestyle. Right. So here's cool. you know now here's this this young African-American lady, here I am, this, you know, this older white guy from California and I'm in Charleston and, and I'm watching her do her thing and she is great. And I mean, she's just electric and she's fun and she is just pounding me on buying more stuff and more stuff. And at one point she looks me in the eye and she goes, can I just tell you something? I really like you. And I look back at it now and I go, here I am now, all this time later, telling you in Florida and to our audience everywhere about this. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, about uh, the success of Zoom or whether Box is going to unseat Dropbox at at some point. uh, No, no. I'm talking about this one young lady who looked me in the eye and said, I really like you. I mean, it was just it's those are the type of experiences that don't they don't take much. But when you do them, they totally, totally stand out. Those small little points of, of connection are critical. I love this conversation. Jeff, one of the lines I like to use, I say, start liking them before they like you. Mm, I so love that. Every, every, every sales guy or every marketing or, or business or company, you know, they wait until their consumer becomes a valued customer or they're buying multiple times. So we elevate them to their loyalty level. What about liking them first? Why doesn't, why doesn't every airline, whenever they have an empty seat in first class, just randomly move somebody up from coach? Yeah. I mean, just think about it. I see empty seats. Mm-hmm. Well, there should never be an empty seat. It costs absolutely nothing. Just right. a name out of a hat and walk back and say, you know, we like, and, and make an announcement. You know, we like to do this periodically. We have a couple of empty seats. We went into a hat and you, you, you move up to first class. How much and would people tell that story over and over again? Oh, my God. Right? You know, it, it, it's it, it's like, what, what, what's that line? What's sex line? You know, if, if, People aren't sharing their stories, then then you're going to be irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or you know, it, it's unbelievable that people don't understand this. And, and it's the same thing with companies, like that they like you. Okay, so your audience, from what I understand, there's a lot of small businesses, a lot of independent salespeople, a lot of people that are out there making their way. Just imagine if you know if if all these companies that these people work for shared content about them. And I see these companies not empowering them. Why? Because they're more scared that they might post something they don't like, or they're worried about their brain. I see companies where, you know, I tell companies, empower all your people to build their social profiles, to build their personal brands. The better they are, the better you are. And then I watch these brands when someone starts really getting some traction and they pull them aside and say, uh, you got to stop. Um, people are really talking about you instead of our company. And I'm like, why is that bad? 
Yeah. Imagine if a company gets a reputation right. value, all these people that people talk about, plus their reach and influence has increased, which means if they're working and why happy at the company, like so many people are, and don't kid yourself, I know a lot of people that love their jobs. And if they felt that they like their company would appreciate it, they'd be sharing about it again and again and again. But instead, they're worried that maybe they shouldn't. And when it comes to the small business level, whether it's the car dealers or the real estate agents, imagine what these people can do to build the brand of the company. All right, three things here real quick. First of all, I totally agree because Thomasina at Market Street Suites, she's not a shareholder in that company, right? She's right. just she's just doing her thing and they're letting her right. do her thing. So so good on them for letting her do that. Second thing, uh, start liking them before they like you. Uh, I, I'm kicking myself for not having uh, come up with that quote first. So thank you very much. I'll make, su- I'll make sure that there's a TM uh, registered uh, to Ted Rubin on that one. But now let me ask you this question. You're, you live in the digital marketing world. And um, when we look at trends and how they are coming at us, they're coming at us so fast. Uh, it seems that there's so many new ideas, so many new concepts that sorting through what really matters and what is really going to stick has got to be really, really difficult for somebody like you. You know, first of all, you, you, you mentioned something earlier, um, and it might have been before we were recording, but how, about how you're not really a technology guy. Um, and I, I'm not either. People think I am because of the space I'm in, and I'm just like you. I'm a relationship guy. I'm the guy that I can sit down. I always say, just today, my business partner said, oh, dude, I'm using Evernote with Grammarly to dictate some posts. It would be so great for you. And the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, okay, I'll be up by you next week. Why don't you sit down and walk you through it? Because and he's like, dude, it's easy. I go, but for me, it's not. But mm-hmm. what I can do with all those things is after I understand them, then I can figure out how to best leverage them to, to, to scale relationships using mm-hmm. That kind of a, that kind of concept. So what what I like to do is I watch what others are doing. I have look. I, I like to say that you know look. We all know men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and you know men do things differently. I think what what men do um, is that men don't become experts. Men have friends with experts. That's the way men shop. Like I have a buddy. When I want to buy a computer, I call I call my 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 Apple. When I want when I want to buy a car, I call my buddy who's a car expert. You know, I let him wade through that kind of stuff for me. And that's kind of what I do in the digital space. I watch the people I know and respect. I see the tweets they're using. Because if I was to jump everyone every day I get, you have to be on this platform. It's unbelievable. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? I don't have to be the first guy on the platform. And there's a lot of guys in this space. And look, it all depends on what your brand is. And they're very into, they have to be the first at everything. And they've got to be the guy saying, oh my God, you got to go on Snapchat. It's amazing. And by the way, they're usually the first to leave it and move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not in a rush. I don't have to be that first guy. Now, part of that is I'm fortunate. I have a pretty good following. I have a, I have a decent amount of influence. I have a lot of followers in different platforms. If I decide to go to one, I can get people to follow me there. Right. But what I, I kind of, wait to see these things vet out a little bit again unless now my business partner is a little different he likes to jump on things so i'll play with it for a little while watch what it is and then just say you know what i don't think this is working for me and every once in a while i do move it into something new i mean i did use snapchat for a while i loved it but what what was, was great for me was when instagram came out with basically the same product mm-hmm. and i could do the same thing in a in a place where i was already at and it saved me one other step of going somewhere. Plus, truth be told, me personally, the demographic that's on Snapchat is not one that I am looking hard to reach for my brand. 
Yeah. And so I certainly go there, understand it, use it so I can speak about it. But I'm also, I'm not the guy that builds somebody's digital marketing uh, a platform for them and, and, and builds out their brand. I'm the guy that comes in and helps them do better what they're doing already. So I don't need to walk them through and get them onto a platform like that. Mm. So I, I try to, stick, you know, I like to say, find something that works and drive a truck through it and keep driving that truck through it until it stops working. Um, and then always be on the lookout for something new that you can take that to the next level. So I'm certainly not just going to stay with everything I'm doing. I try new things here and there, but when something's really working for me, and then of course I pay attention. And this is what so many people, Jeff, don't do. I watch. I see what's happening. I watch my. I watch kids all the time because they are the guys that are really trying this stuff. Like when, when my daughters were young, I watched everything they did. And I hear parents, marketers, complaining that their kids are always on these platforms. I'm like, well, why don't you watch what they're doing? Because they're going to teach you something. It's like I, one of the biggest lessons I learned from my daughters. Now, I don't know how much you know about my background, but I had to fight to keep my daughters in my life. Um, it's a continuing struggle even when they're in their 20s. Um, right. And because of that, there was a period where I really went through a court battle. And I kind of, my relationship with them really suffered. And when I was trying to build it back, when I won those rights back, I learned very quickly how they would communicate with me and how they wouldn't. And I realized how applicable that is to everything we do in our personal mm -hmm. lives and in business. Because yeah. how many times have you connected with a company somewhere, okay? It could be text, it could be email, it could be on, on, on Facebook, and then they try to take you to their place of presence. Hey, come on to our emails, you want to email me. Now you're having this amazing conversation with them on Twitter, and in the middle of it, they say, let's go to direct message. Or, hey, come over here and log in over here. And you say, no, 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 no. This is where I want to communicate. Mm -hmm. And I really, now here's the classic thing. Everybody in your audience, tell me, and I'm sure if you have kids, you've tried to call your kids on the phone and what happens? Within seconds, you get back a text that says what? With an exclamation point. That's their way of saying, do not freaking call me. I will not pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. It's not the way I communicate. And what right. they're telling you is how to get, I mean, there was a while where I was communicating with my, my younger daughter on Snapchat. Because it was the only place that she was paying attention. And guess what? I was happy to do it because she responded to me. Right, so right. I try to tell brands all the time, look, if you're if you're selling me, then you have to go where I want to be. If I'm selling you, then I have to go where you want to be. We, we are just about out of time, but I want to hit on two last things here. Uh, one is I want to go back to the beginning of our conversation because you said, uh, almost in passing, I have re reinvented myself more time than I can count. Um, how much of your reinvention is intentional versus reactive? And then do you look at it today and say, I think I've still got you know a, a number of reinventions left in me? In other words, is reinvention to you uh, something that you want to do or something where you're looking to say, if I'm going to stay relevant, I have no choice i have to reinvent uh, reinvention was something i had to do mm -hmm. so and, and uh, just to jump real ahead to, uh, quickly ahead to your second question i'm going to go back to the first um my goal right now at 60 years old is to never have to reinvent myself again mm -hmm. unless i want to mm -hmm. so i like to say that i you know i've ridden a lot of waves and i fall off a lot of waves yeah. uh, i live by the ocean and i'm kind of an ocean freak and right now i'm riding a wave and this one is the one i plan to take me into shore 
Hmm. And I'm going to use all the experience I've garnered on how to balance myself and how to maneuver and how to evolve that riding that wave to make sure that happens. Now, to go back to your original question, look, I've been through what's called life. You know, I I got into one, I got into the investment business. I did great at it. It burnt me out. The, 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 the business became very tough to be in at the end of the late 80s. I got out of the business. I started training sales teams. It bored me. I, I met Seth. I got involved in selling his product, which was kind of, you know, more like marketing. I like to say we got to bring down the walls and the silos between sales and marketing because especially in the digital world, they have to live together. And mm-hmm. I got the opportunity to do that there. And then I, I, I evolved myself into a marketing guy. And then I was in the first wave of, of Web 1.0 and it crashed and I lost a, a lot of money. My marriage ended and I needed to find a way to make a living again. And mm-hmm. I discovered social media. And, you know, I did some things in between. I got involved in the lead gen space. I learned a little bit more about searching digital. And what I've always tried to do is when I'm in between those spots, and I tell this to young people all the time, or and unfortunately these days, older people, when they get laid off or they can't find something, always be doing something. Yeah. Don't tell me you can't find a job. In today's world, you can be building your brand. You can be selling content. You can be driving an Uber, God, and talking to people when you drive Ubers. You can be delivering products. There's so many crowdsourced businesses that you can do just to keep yourself busy, keep some money coming in, keep yourself relevant until you find that next evolution. And for me, it was social media where I found a home. It was like manna from heaven. Um, and and this is really it's who I've always been. I've always been a relationship guy. I always called myself a networker, but what I've learned and I know now and have for the last bunch of years is what I really am as a community. Because a network gives you reach, and this is a real important message for your audience, but a community gives you power. Networks simply connect. Communities care. So whatever you do, build those networks and turn them into communities. And those can be multi, I have different communities in all different spaces. And then there's kind of an overreaching one of all people that communicate with Ted. And that value has been tremendous to me. And so just to summarize, I changed because I had to change. And my goal is to only change in the future if I desire. Love it. Love it. Before we wrap it up, uh, we'll put you on the hot seat. Rapid fire questions, rapid fire answers. Ready? Okay. There you go. Your very, very first job was what? Out of college? No, no. Before First job. First time anybody ever paid you to do something. A newspaper delivery boy. Love it, love it, love it. When you were 10, you thought you would be what? I thought I'd be an attorney. Uh, the most beautiful place you've ever stood? Oh, boy. Um, in, the, in the center of a pool uh, of manatees in um, Kimmerer. Very nice. Uh, any book that you've read that has made a profound impact on your life? How to Win Friends and Influence People mm-hmm. by Dale Carnegie, the best social media book ever written and more relevant today than when it was written in 1936. That's fascinating. Uh, a movie you've seen multiple times, but you'll gladly watch it again when it comes on. Rudy. And your very first celebrity crush. Oh, of course, yes. <laughs> remember the poster? Of course, remember, I'm 60 who, years old. Who does not remember the poster? Absolutely. There you go. There you go. So, by the way, I, to this day, I had a dream about her in college that I still believe might have been real. 
<laughs> you keep believing that, Ted. That's what makes you fun. Uh, Ted Rubin, uh, you can go to, and I want to highly recommend that you do this, go to Return on Relationship, all one word, returnonrelationship.com. We're going to put that in the show notes. And while you are there, you're going to be able to uh, uh, find out more about Ted. You're going to be able to connect with him on all the social media platforms, which you really, really want to do. And you can sign up uh, for uh, the opportunity for him to get back to you on a weekly basis with some really, really cool content. That's returnonrelationship.com. Ted Rubin, thank you so much for being on The Buyer's Mind. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much. And one thing I want to leave your, your listeners with is that relationships are like muscle tissue. The more you engage them, the stronger and more valuable they become. Good word. Well, Murph, uh, I don't know how you feel. I kind of need a nap. <laughs> I, I hope I have that much energy when I uh, get to that part of my career. I really do. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the guy is just fantastic. And and I, I, I felt like I was racing to keep up with him. But I, it was so much fun. I mean, it was really, really fun. I just love talking to people who have that combination of energy and intelligence and passion for life. And uh, just several things uh, struck me in that conversation. When he said, in the end, everything is a commodity. You might be the first, but you're not going to be the last. And that's really, really true. Um, But I'm also looking at it from the perspective that uh, you can bust that out. Uh, You can can keep your relationship out of the commodity trap through that personal sense of how you're going to connect to people. But that was a really, really cool way to look at it, right? Well, and his whole idea of if I'm selling to you, I need to go where you want to have a conversation. So it's it's that relational uh, aspect of things that he just continued to hammer on that was so important. And he, there's no question about it. He is clearly, I mean, for for somebody who lives in the digital space, he understands his priority and the priority is relationship above everything else. And that's why his line, start liking them before they like you. Again, as he mentioned in the interview, that sounds like common sense, but that which is common in sense is oftentimes not common in practice. And that's a line that I think that you need to burn. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're in the world of sales and marketing, you need to burn that into your brain. Because it's one thing to say, yes, I agree with that, but that's not a thought. It's an action. Start liking them. That is something that you do. It's not something you think. It's something that you do. So you've got to ask yourself the question, how do I do that intentionally? How do I do that obviously? What does it look like to like someone even before they like me? Now, it begins with the mindset, but it can't end with the mindset. It means that I have to go out of my way to figure out how I'm going to make an impact, how I'm going to like this person. And you know what happens? It's magical when you like them first before they like you, guess what's going to happen? You dramatically increase the chances that they're going to like you back. So this is something for every sales professional out there. Please don't blow this off as some sort of you know, a, a trite, of course, that's too obvious. That's not the way we need to be thinking. We need to look at it and say, great, I agree. Now, what does it look like? Go out and like someone before they like you, because that is when you get the opportunity to change their world. 